So you guys probably just heard that super creepy audio piece and we added that in there to kick off spooky season because that's what this episode is about. So thanks for tuning in. I'm your girl Nastaha. I'm Siham. Hey, it's Emma. Welcome back. And we just want to say thank you as well to everyone who listened to our last week episode and showed us a lot of love and, and all the new followers. And all like, the new followers. Welcome, guys. Welcome. We appreciate y'all. We do. We so y'all. today we have something a little bit different for you guys. Um, just because, you know, we're... We lo- we're crime junkies and we, we love-, love true crime and yes. we talk about it all the time and we scare the shit out of each other all the time and we just decided you know what let's just put an episode out there that it's all dedicated to true crime and we're each going to cover like a different story and we're yeah. basically going to tell each other the story and how it went and if anybody ever got put in jail for it. Yeah so stay tuned for that but like always let's start with our highs and lows Touch base to see what's going on in everyone's week. My week has been a complete low. As you can tell from my voice. As you can tell from my voice, I'm sick and that trumps everything. Even though this weekend was so much fun and I still participated, I still went to all the events. I I was a trooper. However, it's been a low just because I can barely talk as you can hear. Seems been struggling. But my week has been great, alhamdulillah. Um we have a collective high that we all share. We have a brand new nephew that came into the world. That was Ooh. awesome. Shout out to BBS. Mashallah. Mashallah. May Allah bless him and protect him and his parents. Um, and then it was my Cam Jam's birthday uh, celebration. So that was really fun. She's big three. Um, so that was it. That was my high. I don't have any lows because September's been phenomenal. Alhamdulillah. I feel like that's like a collective high. Yeah. New baby. Camila. And Camila's, Camila's birthday. Squad. They're the squad kids. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> The squad kids. The squad kids, um, yeah. yeah. that would be my high as well, but my low is, it's almost November. I know, like, October literally is going to start soon, but it's almost November. That means I have to move out of my place, and I'm really sad about that. But other than that, <laughs> positive thoughts. You Fair literally you jumped things. over October just to think about I know, because really? I, October is going to be, it's, yeah, it's it's gonna gonna be me prepping to go move out. Yeah. But I mean... On the bright side, you already have your keys soon, so all you gotta do is pack things slowly, so it won't really stress you out. I know, but I'm it's just, just a change. I get it. It's, it's a change. Change, change yeah. is always difficult, but you'll be fine, inshallah. But yeah, but back to my high. Amazing week. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a phenomenal. My nephew and my niece. Alhamdulillah, mashallah. Let's get started with these crazy stories because I, I'm very very excited about the one I have to tell you guys about. It's. Crazy. I know yours has like a, a resolution. Yeah. Mine does. I'm really interested to know. Mine kind think, of does. Okay, do they know who did it? Yeah. I hate when it's like they don't know who did it. That always bothers me because I'm like, I need to know. I always think about like when they don't know who did it. What if that person is just like walking around in this universe? Yeah. You know? What if they're listening to that episode? Like the other day I was listening to a true crime like episode. It's completely off topic. But one of the things she was saying, I was going to a grocery store and the top the the episode I was listening to on Crime Junkie, um, it was a girl that got taken from Target, Target oh, and I was walking oh, yeah. into Target and the guy who took her at the end, like I was leaving Target and I'm listening to the end of the episode and he's basically like, Oh, he just chose her just because she had good likes. Yes. And I'm like, Oh my god, I looked down wearing yoga pants, I said, Oh my god, let me take my ass home. <laughs> wow, clearly you like think it. highly of yourself. I love the energy. So <laughs> yeah, I said, like, That's no, me, I got that's good likes. Me, you know what I'm <laughs> No, that one was one that really creeped me because it's like it was in the middle of the parking like everyone was it was a full yeah. parking it was right? a midday too midday I yeah. just got taken 
Yeah. And but killed. yeah. We Anyways, love we love true crime. Yeah. We are junkies as we said. It's super interesting and it is it's not healthy for us to be taking this stuff in, but you know what? Why not make you guys listen to it? And hopefully you guys are going to be listening to true crime or you know, uh podcast and we can put you guys on to a few good ones that we personally listen to and love. Um but I guess I'll start with my story. Um my story. The reason why I picked my story. Drop the thesis. <laughs> my story is right here in Minnesota. No and it way. is literally, like, not far from us. Like, one of the crime, like, one of the victims was Where from, like, that? Roseville. Like, it's wow. Minneapolis-St. Paul. It's Minneapolis-St. Paul. But I'm, I'm giving away too much. So let me just start from the beginning. Um, so my crime that I chose is, um, it's called The Weepy-Voiced Killer. Um... If you listen to true crime, you know, podcast, you may have listened to it, uh, like listened to a different podcast that was going on about this guy. Um, but his name is Michael or Paul Michael Stephanie, a.k.a. the Weepy Voice Killer. Um, he was born September 8th, 1944 um, in Austin, Minnesota. He was one of 10 children that was from like a very religious family. Um, and he eventually grew up. He got married, had a daughter. Um and I guess later on they found out that he actually had, like, a criminal history. Um, he had some mental health issues. Uh, but he eventually, you know, became a serial killer. And I will tell you guys about that. Um, so his first killing was on New Year's Eve in 1980. Um, and it was a uh, college student. Her name was Karen Potak. I don't know if I'm saying that right. But her name is Karen Potak. Um, and she was in St. Paul and she, I guess, was at like a New Year's Eve party having fun, got drunk, and then she like wandered off and he snatched her up. I guess she got like separated from the rest of her people that she was with, her mm-hmm. party people. Um, and he snatched her up and took her to a old factory that he used to work at. And he stabbed her like multiple times then he called the cops. <laughs> That's, this is this is the reason why he's called the Weefy Voice Killer because after he commits a crime, he calls the police and like tells them. So nobody knew because it was like an abandoned building, like old factory oh. place, right? So nobody really went to that area. This guy killed her and stabbed her. I can't remember exactly how many times it was, but he stabbed her several times. And afterwards, called the police and was like, "Hey, uh, there is somebody. A girl's hurt over there." So squad cars go over there and they see this, you know, this body of this girl who. Um, he beat like he literally beat her and stabbed her just like attacked her she didn't die I guess um and she has a brain injury as a result because he took like a tire um a tire iron and beat her and he thought she was dead and she did not die thankfully she did not die but now she has to live with a brain injury which is very difficult um so months go by nobody knows anything they didn't know who he was what happened because she was wandering off by herself um and then he Months later, commits another crime, and this time he stabbed the lady with an ice pick. Um, so her name was Kimberly Compton, and she was found um, near like an unfinished highway, and she was stabbed with an ice pick. And same mo, same thing. He after he commits a crime, he uh, calls the police and tells them like somebody's been hurt. Um, so he calls them and says, um, you know, somebody's been injured, and tells them where the girl is. Um, and then he kind of goes quiet for, for like a year, a little over a year. Um, so he's quiet, nothing's going on. Um, and then the police find the body of a young lady named Barbara Simmons right by like the Minneapolis River. And she was stabbed to death, which is very oh, sad. No. Yeah. Um, 
two days later, um, they get a call from, what's his name? Um, the Weepy Boys killer. And he wanted to apologize for stabbing her. He literally this called them to apologize. Girl. At least he has remorse. He's like crying. Yeah. Like he's crying and saying, I'm sorry I committed this. I, you know, like, I'm sorry about it. Sorry, when did this happen again? This was a year later. So oh, a year was, later? Okay. Yeah. When did I say the original was? In 1980, so it was probably 1981. Yeah, so it was between 1980 and 1982. I'm sure at that time they couldn't trace calls. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And I'm pretty sure it was probably from, like, a payphone is what he was calling yeah. from. So he called them, he apologized, um, and he claimed to be responsible for her murder. He's like, I did it. Didn't give his name. Didn't give anything. Um, and then he said that he was going to... Um, turn himself in him and barbara met at a bar so she was sitting with him at the bar they were talking whatever 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 and then she as she was leaving she told the waitress like i hope he's a nice guy because he's giving me a ride home okay which is you should not talk dangerous stranger don't talk to strangers don't get in cars with people she was i think she was a nurse too but she got in a car with this guy and he eventually ended up killing her and throwing her body out um and then apologized you know after he the body's found he apologized to the police and says he's going to turn himself in um and then they found out later on, they, you know, they talked to the waitress at the bar and connected us that he was the last person to talk to her or that she was seen with. Um, and then they found out that he was fired from the location, like the, where she was by, where the body was found, um, that he was fired from that um, location, or that he was fired from that job at the factory. Um, so later on, like later, a few months later, there is a sex worker that I guess, I guess Minneapolis has, like, a red light district where there's, like, sex workers where you can go pick up somebody. I didn't know this. Whoa. Or at least they did in the 80s. I don't know yeah. if that's still a thing. I don't know. But then again, none of us are really looking for that, so <laughs> yeah. we wouldn't know. <laughs> I mean, I guess whatever you're looking for, you're fine. But, um, so there was a sex worker who um, he picked up, and her name was Denise Williams. He picked her up from the city and brought her to, like, the suburbs and whatever. And then afterwards, she thought... She thought that she was expecting for him to take her back because he offered her to drive her back to the city. And she's like, okay, cool. You'll give me a ride back to the city to go continue working. He doesn't drive her back to the city. She realizes, she, as she's in the car with him, she realizes, like, okay, this guy is not taking me back to the city. He's driving around in the suburbs and it's like dark and nighttime. And this is not like this is not going where it's supposed to be Mm -hmm. so she like looks around sees that there's like a bottle in his car like a a glass bottle in his car Mm -hmm. and um she's like okay if anything should happen like i'm gonna use that to like protect myself essentially so he pulls up into like a deserted area like in a neighborhood and um takes like a screwdriver and starts like stabbing her so he like stabs her in the stomach um, and so she like hits him on the head with the bottle. He's like stabbing her. Like they're literally fighting in the car. She, I guess, is able to like open the car and like scream or something. So there was like somebody who woke up to Qaylada from like in the neighborhood, and this guy like comes out into where their car is, sees that there's blood on the pavement. He's like, "What the hell's going on?" And he's like, "I guess he saw um, the the killer, the weepy voice killer, stabbing her." And he's like, "I could hear." the screwdriver hitting her bone and, like, the noise that it made. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's very creepy. So he's like, I could hear that. So, and then he's like, I noticed, I noticed that she had, like, a a broken glass bottle in her hand. Yeah. Um, So... The girl, I guess, got out of the car. He, um, the neighbor that found her calls the police for her to get assistance and like, calls emergency, uh, the emergency department. And then the killer goes back to his house and he doesn't realize at the time that he's gotten hit on the head and he's bleeding. Okay? So 
he calls the fire, like he calls emergency, uh, the emergency um, department and asks, like, I have an injury, I have an injury, I need somebody to come and help me. And then they are able to kind of like recognize the voice because people in the emergency, like the, um, like dispatch, dispatch were able to kind of identify his voice because they couldn't trace calls. There's no way to identify his voice. Like there's really nothing that they can do to find out exactly who it is. But like this voice kind of sounds like that person who's been calling us and like saying, admitting to crimes, admitting to killing people or harming people um, and apologizing and then saying like, oh, I'm going to come in and I'm going to, he, at one point, yeah, to one of the, one of the, um, one of the um, attempted murders or murders, he says, I'm going to come in and I'm going to um, turn myself in. And then he one time calls them and says that there was an article that was in the newspaper about like the murders. And he's like, the information, some of the information is incorrect. So he called them to <laughs> correct that information. Like, so you're oh psychotic, bro. But um, so they're able to kind of like, okay, this guy sounds like the weepy voice killer that we've been trying to look for. Um, is it him? So I guess he gets arrested for that. And they're like, okay, it must be him because he sounded um, the same. And then um, since they were unable to um, trace calls or whatever, so they were able to connect his, um, they're able to confirm his voice as the weepy voice killer to him calling to get medical assistance for the injury that he had for attempting to kill the sex worker girl. Um, so he goes on trial and his sister and his ex-wife, his sister, and a woman who lived with him all testify uh, and they saying that they believe it was him because I guess he would be hysterically crying. They're like, we know he's crying. It's him. He did it. Lock him away. Put him in jail, your honor, period. Um, <laughs> yes. But... But he was convicted of murder and attempted murder of the sex worker and was sentenced to 40 years. And then he ended up dying in prison from cancer in 1998. That's pretty wow. much it. He's, so he's locked away and he's dead. How about the sex worker? Did she survive or did she die? I, I believe she did, yeah. Wow. Oh, no, that's crazy. Can you imagine? Attempted like, murder, yes. Yeah, oh, it's attempted murder? Attempted murder because she But, like, could you imagine, like, getting a screwdriver? Like, someone stabbing the screwdriver and you could hear your. Somebody's bones. The th- That's crazy. He's like, it was a thud. Is how he described it. He's like, he stabbed her. He was like, saw him stab her because he was on top of her, stabbing her with a screwdriver. Sorry for saying stab so many times, <laughs> but literally using a screwdriver and then the it hits the bone. So I'm assuming it's probably like a, a hip bone or something. Yeah. But he's like, bye. Oh thud. I'm like, oh, cringe. Oh my gosh. But yeah, that was in, right here in Minneapolis, St. Paul area. And one of the victims, it was in her apartment. He drowned one of the victims in her apartment in Roseville. How many victims did he have? Do you know? So he started December 31st, 1980, at least from what they know. Um, he could have more, but it's he has a total of five victims. So one of them, Karen Potak, the first one that was on New Year's Eve, he bludgeoned her with a tyrant iron at least 10 times. And then Kim Compton was stabbed 61 times with an ice pick. Um, and then there was Kathy who was drowned in her own apartment. Um, And then there was Barbara, who was stabbed over 100-plus times. Um, And then Denise Williams, which is the sex worker. And she was stabbed several times with a screwdriver. If you're stabbing someone that many times, like, oftentimes you would think it's either rage or you know that person you don't like them or something, or you're upset with something else and you're taking it out on this person. But the amount of times he's stabbed that person, like... And he keeps getting more violent as the years go on. A hundred stabs? Like, Mm -hmm. you took your time. You took a break, came back. Honestly. No, but it did say, so I don't know exactly what his mental illnesses 
what like were or what they were identified as, but it said that he had mental illnesses or mental or mental illnesses, and then he came from a super religious family and he was one of ten. So I don't I don't know if it's he didn't get like enough love. Maybe he hates women. Like you know, a lot of this Maybe goes back to like childhood. Like a psycho- a psycho- it could could be, but I don't think so because he has remorse. Like the fact that he's showing he remorse, remorse yeah. is mm-hmm. different. Maybe you know I don't know what it was, but he just seemed a bit off. And now yeah. he's not on the streets. He's not alive. I mean, it's from the 80s, but... Yeah. That's crazy. I think most of the stories from the 80s are so shocking because a lot of the... They don't have the technology we have yeah. now. And even though people go missing all the time, people yeah. still get killed to this day. Yeah. I just feel like with the stories back then, you can see how technology has changed, mm-hmm. how the way that they look at it, like how detectives search for people, mm-hmm. and like the protocol has changed, and you can see that. Um, but my story is also from the 80s. Um, I chose to do it on the Eastburn family. Um, this story, once I heard it, was so shocking to me that it, till this day I still think about it. So in 1985, Catherine Eastburn lived with her three younger daughters, Kara, who was five, Erin, that was three, and Jana, that was 22 months. The family lives in North Carolina, and um, Gary Eastburn was a captain in the Air Force, and he was away in Alabama for a training. And after they complete the training, they were supposed to move the entire family to the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so the mom was at home preparing for the move. He was at like a 10-week training. And while she was preparing for the move, one of the main things was that they can't, they didn't have money to take the family dog to the UK. So they decided that they were gonna sell it. And so they just put an ad up, and somebody ended up coming a few days later and taking the dog. Um, and then, Three days afterwards, the um, the father always has a, like a FaceTime or a phone call with them. It's the 80s, so they didn't have FaceTime, but he always has a phone call with them every single Saturday. And this Saturday, no one would pick up the phone. He kept calling. He called on Sunday. Nobody would pick up the phone. After days of not hearing from his family, he called a neighbor, and the neighbor came into the house. And then once they saw the house, they saw the five-year-old that was dead. Um, I think in the living room, the three-year-old was dead um, upstairs. She was basically decapitated like her. Um, her head was still on her body, but there was a little bit of skin left before her head was gone. And then um, the mother was raped and she was also killed. And then the 22-year-old, nobody could find her. And then they searched the entire house, literally searching for her body. And the 22-year-old ended up surviving. Um, the five-year-old, uh, Kara, ended up telling her little sister to go hide their pay hide-and-go-seek. And for days, she was hiding in a closet. Um, and they found her in a closet because she was like, basically, they, were to- they told me not to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she, to this day, is still surviving. She's still looking for the killer to her family, like who killed her family. But anyways, going back to the, to the topic, um, the neighbor, one of the neighbors became a witness. They were like, oh, I saw this guy who had a members only jacket. Um, he was driving like a white Corvette and he had like a mustache and all this. Like he described what he looked like. He was 6'4 and he described him. And so they're like, let's get you into like the detective's office so you can get us a picture. So he got a picture for them, and they decided the only way to go about it is the last person that's seen the family is the person who bought the dog. So they put an ad up, and they put it on TV, like, basically, if you've bought this dog, just come into a detective's office. We want to talk to you about the dog. They didn't say anything about the family because they didn't want to trigger anything or nobody's going to come forward. 
So this woman, Angela, saw on the TV that um, her dog was on there. And so she told her husband, like, you picked up the dog and this is our dog. So let's go down to the detective's office. They go down and his name was Tim, Tim um, Hessing. And they go down, and the second he walks into detective's office, the detectives are, like, shocked because he's a spinning image of the picture that the guy drew. And so they lock him up, and they they basically pin the entire murder on him because they're like, you, 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 we have a witness that puts you at the scene. He has a white Corvette. He does have a member. It was only jacket. I think he walked into the de- detective's office with the jacket as well. And so they're like, bingo, we basically have everything. In the, um, once, they, once they saw the crime scene, they never looked at the physical evidence. Like, they never gave her a rape, um, they never did, the, like, a rape kit on her. They never tested the DNA. They never tested, like, her fingernails if she fought back or anything like that. They literally didn't test any of those because they are like, we have an eyewitness. That's perfect. So the case went to trial. Prosecutors basically went full force um and the witness went out um, testified against the guy and he ended up getting the death penalty tim he got the death penalty he they put him away and everything everybody thought justice was served end of story tim fought back after a year and decided he was not the one to be blamed and he did not kill and the entire time he kept telling his family that he was innocent he's innocent so he found a whole new defense team to do uh, uh to basically set up a whole new defense for him um apparently there was a guy that lived a couple doors down that looked exactly like tim just as tall he has a white corvette and he also has a members only jacket but the detectives back in the day they never really did good digging mm-hmm. they basically all just wanted to win the case so the detectives um took his members only jacket from him and they also i think took his car from him until the trial was over and then they were going to give those his possessions back so the d- defense team ended up finding this guy with his jacket, bringing him to the judge and saying, this is a person that's similar. How do you know that Tim actually did it and he didn't or or the person's not walking around because obviously the detectives mm-hmm. didn't do that well of a uh, like of a work. Job, yeah. And on top of that, the guy was either paid off or he was told to shut up or something like that. And now he's speaking up that that's what happened. So like basically everything's tainted. So the judge was like, due to the evidence you brought up, we're exonerating you. And in America, there's a thing called double jeopardy. He can never be charged with the same case again. So Tim got out of jail. There's actually a video, um, if you search online, there's actually a video with him with his two-year-old daughter on his hip and his wife who supported him the entire time saying he didn't do it and everything. Um, and he does this like, this like speech at the courthouse basically saying how he's finally glad that justice was served and how he never wants to go back to jail. So he goes on to the next like 20 some years living a good good life. Um, he was in the military. He became like a captain or a staff sergeant in the military. He became really high ranks. He ended up retiring. I think it's 2010 or something like that. He ended up retiring. Um, he had a really good life. He had a really, um, he had a really good salary as well. And then um, the father couldn't live without his, even Jana, like she's now 25 or 26 and she couldn't live without, at the time actually, now she's not, but at the time she was like 25 or 26 and she's like, I want to know who killed the rest of my family, who killed my mom, I want to know. And so they're like, let's test the DNA um, because now we're in the 2000s so they can test DNA. So they're like, let's test it, the was DNA. Was it from the rape kit, right? Yeah. yeah. They actually gave the mom a rape kit mm-hmm. and then they decided to test that DNA mm-hmm. and guess what it was? Tim's sperm. Oh, it was actually. I him. thought they they couldn't actually like 
say if it was him or not. Like it, it was him. Close. Yeah, at first I don't think they could, but now they can. Now it was, so it, it was okay. So it was him. Yeah, in the eighties they didn't do rape kits as it wasn't as important as it is right now. Like if yeah. somebody's raped now, automatically they get a rape kit. But back then they didn't do that, mm-hmm. and so now they did their rape kit. It ended up being Tim ninety nine percent, and they ended up doing it again, and it ended up being him. But they're like, how are we gonna go about this because it's double jeopardy in America, and they they can't put him back on trial. So they decided that um, they, since he was in the military, they were going to ask the military to, I think it was like a letter that they gave him to make him active again. Either he was going to go teach or something like that. They're just going to make him active in the military. And then um, once he became active in the military, they basically brought up this new information. And then he, in military Military court, court, and now I think he's on death row with the military court. And so basically... He's still dying either way. Yeah. And I think his wife is still standing by him that he didn't do it. Yeah. Even though now there's, like, yeah. actual proof leading him to the situation. Tuition. But that was so shocking to me, and I always think about it. And the only thing that I could, like, bring, like, that, like, creeps me out is the 22-month-old. Like, yeah. just being in the closet. I'm like, you're just shy of two years, and you knew to stay in that closet yeah. for how many days? I'm like, you could have died yeah. from, like, starvation. Yeah. A lot of things could happen to you. And then the three-year-old that's, like, a decapitated, I'm like, what did she yeah. do to you? That's you know what I'm saying? Like, he, he had a three-year-old at that time. He had a child, too, that was around the same age. And yeah. that's one thing they couldn't understand. It's like, how, how, how could, could you do you that do to that? another child when you have... As a young child as well too People like your parents are sick man yeah, like sick, sick. The, but the psychology of that like what what possessed you because you went to go get a dog for your yeah. family mm-hmm. and you said mm, you know what let me just murk everybody in this family let me just rape them and all and just kill all the kids <laughs> yeah. yeah and then take their dog afterwards oh, I did leave that part um the, he took $300 from the house, and $310 is how much he rate, he owed for his rent. rent so yeah. he did take $300 from the house, and then I think he took something else as well. Because at first they thought it was like uh, somebody just came to rob the mm-hmm. family and then ended up killing them all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he ended up taking like that 300 and then he needed it for his rent because he was yeah, short. Yeah, because he was late or something. Yeah. Late with yeah. money. Crazy. Crazy. No, now that you said that whole story back, I'm like, oh my god! I remember when I was listening to it, I had chills. On the yeah. yeah, that was that was a ooh, that was a good good story. Mm-hmm. I was telling my mom about it and the entire time. She goes, "This is why you should keep a man in the house. He's gonna protect you and blah blah blah." And I'm like, that wasn't the point. I'm like, even the <laughs> man could get too. murdered. You know? <laughs> I'm like, men could get murdered too. Oh my god, too. protect you out in yeah. the streets. My guy took it. Men, women, all of them. Anybody oh, can. can get it. Anybody can get it. <laughs> Go off, Emma. So mine's pretty long. It's a really big case but I'm gonna kind of short yeah it's still going on and I'm gonna shorten it up just a little bit I'm not a good storyteller as you guys both are but (laughs) I'm gonna do this um case justice but um this one is the golden state killer um and he also goes by original night stalker and then the east side rapist so mine is a really long big case like it went over 42 years that it's been unsolved for and it recently got solved kind of it's getting there but this was a man a gunman who terrorized the whole of the whole entire state of california back in the 1970s um in the 80s with whole bunch of murders rapes and um assaulting people and like robbing people's homes this was over a 10 year span that where he was a serial killer and like raped about 50 women um killed 13 13 people and um 
yeah, 13 people. And it was over a bunch of like, maybe like 10 counties all over California. So his first kill, the first time that he killed was 1971 um, when he... So there was a young woman that lived in, I th- I believe he started in Southern California. That's where he started. And there was a young woman that was living there and her father went away on a trip for a couple of weeks. And he comes, like at nighttime, she was going to bed, like in the first day that her dad left the, ho- the house, was going to bed. And she hears someone coming into the home with a flashlight, gets very scared and tries to go for the phone and was unable to. And so this um, this man, he's his face is covered, he's wearing a ski mask and ties her up, rapes her and like is saying all these weird things to her. Like he's speaking under his breath saying, I'm going to kill you and all this oh weird gosh. things. And then ends up like leaving the house. And then um, it comes to, to the morning because she didn't know if he was there or not because she was also blindfolded. And it comes morning time, she calls the police and then the police come and they take her statement and they just think it's a, like another rape that just happened. Um, but what happens is the weeks that are following, she gets a bunch of phone calls from someone that is like whispering, like, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill you. And he like, like basically he was cussing her out and saying all this crazy stuff. Um, and she also noticed that there was someone like driving past her house all the time. And she, it was, it was like a van. She kept passing her house and she also always felt like someone was following her. So they just took those notes down and were like, okay, like, yeah, move on to the next one. And then a couple, a month later, the same thing happens to another young um, woman. And it was two young, it was two sisters that it happened to. Same MO, they were tied up um, in their, in their beds, raped, um, and, the same voice like the guy was like very tall built and he was just saying these weird things like i'm gonna kill you and didn't you tell them like threaten them if they left like the oh room, yeah why? yeah if they left the room you, that he was gonna kill them and then they found out more information about how he would tell the people like he would come in and say oh like i'm just gonna rob you you just stay in the bed like do not make any noises and then like what like kind of get them to relax a little bit and they he would just walk around the house take different things and then end up raping them and then tells them like do not move if you move like i'm gonna come back and kill you and many people reported that he goes into their fridge and like was eating food and just like (laughs) hanging out in the house and then they wouldn't know when he left or stay like if he was still there like and they would just stay for hours and hours and some of them days just in that position scared for their life um so he continues doing that so finally like after multiple um um rapes were reported with the same mo a guy coming into their home um a guy breaking into their home coming to the home tying them up with shoelaces saying these creepy things to them and then walking around their house eating and then leaving in the same around the same area they started thinking okay we have a serial rapist and we need to find him and um, the media starts reporting on this and they start asking for people to come forward or to, to with information if they know of any anything to identify him. And the only thing that they had is that this guy was very tall. He was very like, um, like he's built well, I believe mm-hmm. so. Like he mm-hmm. was able to get in and get out of the yeah. homes. And they also figured out that he comes into the homes prior to set up all his things. So he would have the shoelaces all his tools and all that stuff like ready for him and then he'll sneak in during the middle of the night um 
And then, um, so he just continued with that until he decided to expand his list of victims and started going towards um, couples. And I believe this started with, okay, so they had like a town hall to say, this is a problem, we need to like talk about this stuff and Mm -hmm. figure out, and everyone was supposed to turn in their their DNA, I think so at that time. so they're like, we have a problem, we're going to have a town hall meeting. And they had a town hall meeting. And there was one man who stood up and said, if he came into my home to rape my wife, like, I'm going to, like, kill that guy. Her. I'm going to kill her. I'm going to protect my wife. Come to find out, like, a month later, that guy and his wife get attacked. And what he did was, I believe, I don't know if they were the first couple, but... They were one of the couples, yeah. and that was very important to the case because it was someone in that town hall meeting that ha- that was he was literally there with the people, and they were talking Listen, about yeah, it. Hard to yeah. hear, yeah. yeah. What's going on? That was um, so and so that man got attacked, and what he would do with the couples is he would have the wife tie up the husband, and then blindfold the husband. He'd blindfold both of them, have the wife tie up the husband, and then grab dishes from their kitchen and put it on the husband. And tell him, like, if he moves, he's going to kill everyone in the house, including, like, his wife and him. Like, he's going to kill everyone. So he tells him, if I hear those dishes move, it's over for you. Takes the wife to another room and, like, rapes her. And, like, the husband is able to hear his wife getting raped. And then after he's done with whatever he's doing, he brings the wife back to the room, ties her up, and then just, like, wanders around the house eating food, hanging out. I think one of them even said he was, like, watching TV at one time. And then he just slips out. And for hours and hours, the victims don't know if he's there or if he's going to come back. Like, they just don't know. So sadistic. Yeah, yeah. imagine being that creeped out that yes. you don't so, do anything and you just let him be. Another thing is, just like your guy, how he liked to control the media. So the media one time, I think that's how he started with the couples saying, um, the media said, oh, he only attacks like young women who live alone or like who are just with their children. And he's never attacked a couple. And then right after that, he started attacking couples. Um, so he always like was up to date with the media and he never left any evidence. The sketches like actually look like the guy they captured, which is actually him. But, um, so he just continues moving on from Northern California, Southern California, Central California, just 50 rapes, murders, over a hundred burglaries to people's homes. Um, this man was just crazy and they could never ever catch him. And this was all between like in the 1970s, 1980s. And he took a five year gap and came back. His last killing before he took the five year gap was very like aggressive. And then um, he comes back five years later and it was another aggressive murder and rape. And same, same MO. So they're like, this guy is active again. And he did a couple more um, murders after that. Um, so they couldn't connect it to anybody and for years and years and years they continued and this case like haunted a lot of people and there was a lot of people that like continued to make this their career just to find this man and like looked over evidence and looked over a lot of different things um people had suspicion that he was a like a military man or maybe like a police officer but he was someone that was well aware of like what was going on um so fast forward to 2001 they were able that's when like dna was really good they they started um testing his dna all the rape kits that they had they tested dna 
And oh my god, this guy is a non-secretor. Basically, like his DNA doesn't show up. Oh my god. Doesn't show up. <laughs> they think they have <laughs> yeah, it doesn't show up. Uh they can't trace it to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um so basically they were out of luck again. So they kept just continuing, continuing to search. And it was not until drum roll. <laughs> when? <laughs> not until April 24, 2018, last year, when they finally caught the guy. And it's the craziest way how they caught this man, who is a freaking crazy... Serial killer. Serial killer. He's crazy. Um, And it was was unsolved for almost... For 42 years. And it was, like, one of the biggest, largest cases that was unsolved. And they could not figure out, like, he left no evidence. So, it turns out that on April 24, 2018, they apprehended... Um, Joseph James D'Angelo, which was a 73-year-old former police officer who is believed to be the Golden State Killer, um, and he was a police officer in the hometown, uh, in the home city that he um, did his first killing from 1973 wow. um, until 19. 19- oh, he became a police officer. He was a, a Vietnam vet, vet before that, and then he became a police officer, and he was fired from his job as a police officer because he stole um he stole a dog repellent and a hammer from like a hardware store and at that time like the people like were like what the heck why would you steal this stuff but i guess those were his murder items that he used the dog repellent um he used to like spray on his mm-hmm. on himself so dogs couldn't smell him and they couldn't track him and like you know any neighbor he would go into like people have dogs so they weren't right. able to get him um so he silently go in and out so of did he steal it because he didn't want it to be traced back to him i'm assuming I, that must be it i mean i don't receipts, think so because if you i'm assu- i'm assuming because it, it was in the 80s right yeah, yeah. so I'm no sure. one no one thought of him as a suspect maybe i think i one of the um podcasts that i was listening to they said maybe it's because he just got like he just had such a big ego and he was like yeah I'm you know what i'm just gonna steal either way whatever yeah they're not gonna do anything to me or I'm going to kill them later on if they decide to do something to me. Honestly, yeah. the way he works. Ooh. No, yeah. I, I low-key feel like it was probably maybe he didn't want it because he seemed very organized and yeah. very, like, calculated. Yeah, very organized and calculated. But also very egotistical at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Um. So so he was, he was fired for that. And now, looking back, it all makes sense. Like, all the puzzle pieces are, like... Fitting with each other. Wow. And isn't it the way that they found him, like twenty three? Oh, years? yeah. Get to that. Yeah, yeah. that's that's the part where it's it's crazy. It's not twenty three and me. So I did a little research on how, what how they found him. It's really crazy. Um, so this, I think they started like maybe in twenty fifteen or something. Stop for a lie. I don't even know. Just making up. <laughs> so how they found him was very interesting. Um, they took whatever samples that they had um, and kind of created a sequence of DNA out of it or something. Um, I don't know the details of DNA. <laughs> but they somehow came up with like a profile. So they made him a, a profile on this um, website. It's a small company that has a website. Um, it's called... Jed Match, GED Match, um, and it's a free online database where anyone can share their data um, from 23andMe and Ancestry. Um, so they can upload their stuff and they'll connect you with like family members and help you build your family tree. Um, so 
23andMe and Ancestry do not share their stuff with um, police. Uh, so this company here um, is free. So anyone could go up there and put up, I can go up there and put up my information, but that might get my fifth cousin locked up or something there. I'm just so dead. <laughs> um, so what happened was, luckily, so when they posted up, they made him a profile, and when they posted up his information, luckily, they found someone that sent in their saliva um, test and it turned out to be his like third cousin because there's some markers in the DNA that like matched up mm -hmm. and to show that they were relatives. So from there on, they started like bringing down the list and like searching more into that family name. Um, and it from age, they went from age and like where they, these people lived and all that information. Um, and it comes down to this man being on their list um and so they go stake out in front of his home um and they find some trash that he threw away and then also took fingerprints from the um his car door mm -hmm. um outside of his home and oh yeah and it was a hundred percent match and then on top of that um one of the investigators um i believe maybe it was paul halls paul halls yeah. shout out to paul halls <laughs> I love him. <laughs> yeah, he was like sitting in front of the home, just like um, campusing the area and just yeah. seeing this man. Um, and when he comes out of the home, he said, "Wow, it was him!" Like, like all the description yeah. and the guy that walked out of the home were exactly the same. Like, wow. even he was. Yeah, I mean, he years aged, later. Obviously. Yeah, he yeah, aged, but yeah. years later, still wow. the same features. Um, D'Angelo, he's facing thirteen counts of murder, um, and then also. Um, 13 counts of kidnapping and robbery he's still in jail so he, they're still working on his sentencing and all that stuff and some of the cases that since the statute of, of uh, limitation like passed. yeah passed yeah they can't they can't really um do go back about to, it yeah just go back to it or do anything about it the irony of the whole story is that the day that he caught was like national dna day oh my god that's hilarious <laughs> and on top of that the home that they found him was the was in the same county and nearby where he did his first killing. The, oh my god! The, I mean, his first rape, his first yeah, crime. Yeah, they like to stay close. Yeah, same oh. area. Yep. Wow. Yeah, this. There's so many more details to the story. Like it, every single murder, like has really like creepy and yeah, like really he scary. He really used to yeah. plot. Yeah, plot on his yeah. victims. Like it, it was. Wow. Yeah. He's a very interesting guy. Yeah, so that is that is the story of. I I feel like you know how a lot of these cases, majority of the time when they find them, they get them the death penalty because it's like their their crimes are so heinous. Mm -hmm. With him, it's like I wouldn't even want him to get the death penalty because even if you're on death row, you stay on death row for multiple years. If not, I think I heard like twenty years or something. It's on average how long you stay on death row before they actually kill you, just in case it's not really you and you're able to plead your case yeah you know and so i just feel like if he were to get the death row they're not gonna kill him anytime soon yeah. i'd rather him go to life in prison actually like the what prison inmates take care of him yeah oh my god so he can he's actually literally 73 he looks yeah. older than he's like in he's a gonna wheelchair. die in jail if natural causes don't take him out now i don't think he's gonna be that that old because he, he's 70 by the time the court proceedings, like, for 13 different cases, yeah, that's not yeah. anything that's going to be speedy. And the crazy, he's a, he was a former cop. 
That's wild, yeah. Because yeah. he, I obviously he knew so the he, ins and outs, he, and he yeah. was he was also like at that town hall meeting too. Yeah, now when they he was in the back, back. he was in the picture. Yeah, 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 yeah he, he was picture. in the picture, and they're like, dang it, like the guy was here with us this whole entire time. Yeah, because then they look at the, everybody who was in the room. Huh? Didn't they look at everybody who was in the room once that the guy got? Yeah, like yeah, they were trying hit. to figure out who who were who all the people. It? Yeah, who done it? Who done that? And then another thing is, um, California, the state of California. I believe anyone who like gets arrested, I believe for like any crimes, like they they started taking their DNA samples to build like a, a database. Oh, no. Yeah, so that was like so they can catch this guy. Like that was oh. the result of it. Like one of the um, victims' family, like made sure that that was uh, a law that was passed in California. Wait, and that's it, what why kind of crimes people. are we talking about? Because I don't like that. I don't like your DNA just being there. I mean, to be honest, I feel like that's that's good. Catch all these uh, Listen, that, that's, that's fine. I fully agree with that. I mean, they already have all point, your information. Yeah, I mean, the sucky thing for them is it's not even you giving your DNA. It's somebody like your cousin, your yeah, aunt, yeah. your, your mm-hmm. stepdad. For, you could find out you're adopted and, you know, get caught up in some shit. That's, that's weird. I, it's for the better, but I don't like the government being in on my shit. Yeah. <laughs> they, they have everything about you. I swear. Yeah, I don't, I don't like you. it. I'm not here for that, but... That was good. You did awesome. Yeah, good job, guys. Yeah. What, what would you guys say are, like, your, your most favorite, favorite murder? Yeah. That's what I was just going to ask right now. Mine is the BTK killer. BTK. Find them, torture them, and kill them. Yo, that was the first one that got me hooked. I literally remember my cousins telling me about that when I was younger. Like, this guy literally would break into people's homes, like, would bind you, torture you, and kill you. Like, whole families. Oh Rape. Mur- like, in every time. And got away with it for a while. I think my first, the first thing that got me into uh, true crime podcasts was Serial, um, the Adnan, Adnan oh, yeah. Saeed case. Yeah. That's the first one that got me, and it's ever since then I've been hooked. And then um, I know it's not a podcast, but Making a Murderer mm-hmm. um, on Netflix, mm-hmm. that also got me into it as well. No, I, I used to, do you guys used to watch when you were younger, America's Most Wanted? Oh, yeah. I no, used to, my mom did on me. Bruh. Yeah. I was, like, in fifth grade watching this. That's what got me hooked. That's yeah. when it was that, and then Criminal Minds after when I was, like, in middle high school. And then ever since then, I've been, like, a true... Until this day, I love the ID channel. Yeah, that's my favorite. The fact that I listen to true crime, and I'm such a fool, like, I'm yeah, such same. a scary cat. And I still, like... Like, I remember before I went to college, I watched all the episodes of Criminal Minds, and I was scared shitless to walk mm-hmm. home and do anything out of my apartment. Yeah, no, I still am. Definitely, I still Every am. Day. I still am. Like even today, like re-listening to some of the episodes, I was like, oh my god. I'm like, even though I know this, the this guy is locked locked up. I'm like, oh my god, someone could. No, it's it's scary because it's like it could literally. This goes to show you that it could be anybody. Because like the BTK killer, he was like a um. He taught the little uh, Boy Scouts. Mm-hmm. He's like a Boy Scout master. Yeah. He was like involved in his church and involved in his community. Like literally. It's like the person you know. It's like it could literally be anybody. Anybody yeah. could be a killer and have the secure life. He had a family and everything. Was like involved in his kids' lives in his community and was out here killing other people. Wow. Like breaking into homes and like waiting for people, raping them, killing them, doing whatever. Wow, that's crazy. For me, I think it w- it'd be this one. This because, is what got you hooked. Yeah, because I was listening. Remember, like back in yeah. April, that's when yeah, I yeah. started work. Um, and you told me about my favorite murder. And also, were, I got you into true yes, crime. Wow. I mean, I, I used to it. watch it, but I never used to listen to podcasts. Yeah. And so I got into that, and I was listening to this. And as I was listening to it last year, yeah. that's when they captured him, yep, and I was yep, like, yep, Oh yep. my god! I remember, I came. Real life, yeah. I was like, Nasta, they actually caught the guy. I was like listening to the episode, so 
that's that's what really got me hooked. So this story, it, it's it's so scary and complex, but that's what got me hooked. What do you? What are your favorite podcasts? I know you mentioned my favorite murder. Yeah, my um, favorite I murder. mentioned earlier crime junkie. junkie. What are other things? What are other podcasts that you guys would say um, people need to listen to? Um. Serial is good. Cereal I like serial. Yeah. yeah, my favorite murder crime junkie. I like crime junkie a lot because it gets yeah. to the point. It tells That's you about the, the murder. That's the one. Because like it's, my favorite yeah, murder is scary. like more jokey. My yeah, favorite is like yeah. it makes it like oh yeah, and you can it's they like, joke around. Yeah, it's like killer shit, but ha ha killer shit, and then. Crime Junkie is like, you'll be scared. You're not going to sleep alone by yourself. Mm-hmm. If you live alone, mm-hmm. you're going to go sleep over at a friend's house when you listen to it. Be prepared. You've been warned. But those are the two true crime podcasts that I love. I also like podcasts. Um, it's called to, to Live and Die in L.A. And it was a killing that happened. A, a missing case that happened in 2018. Mm-hmm. And it was like really recent. Um, I like I like uh, Crime Junkie. I like the way that she explains everything. She does really scare me. I'm not into my favorite murder as much. Like, I'll listen to it here and there, but I'm not, like, a, a consistent listener. But I like more, like, when the reporter is, like, also the detective. And, like, mm-hmm. that's how um, To Live and Die in L.A. It is, it's only one season, one season, I believe. And he is, like, reporting on the issue. So he, like, interviews the mom. He interviews the, um, like, different people, mm-hmm. like, the victim's family. And so it's more of a reporting. Like, you're, every episode, you're, like, following following along on mm-hmm. what he finds out so I kind of like that a little bit yeah I, that's why we differ that's why I don't take your recommendations because you like things that the whole season is about one case where I'm like one episode per case like one case per episode yeah most I like that too episode. but I also like I like the prolonged yeah I know I'm like tell me what happened who did it where when why and then move yeah on that's to the why one. I really like crime junkie because yeah. I was into my favorite murder but I was like get to that story because they just talk too they much joke, yeah, they and I'm like get to the story and so I really like Crime Junkie but that shit scares me if you people. guys like episodes like this I know this is different for us but this is something that we're all three interested in and we always want to incorporate things that we're all interested in and and so if you guys like this episode or any sort of feedback DM us um, we're feedback. obviously going to be posting things on Instagram so you can always swipe up and message us let us know slide in the yes. DMs have a wonderful, amazing week, guys. Yes, and enjoy spooky season. Um, P.S. If you want to slide in our DMs and let us know what your thoughts are, catch us on Twitter at The Unwritten Pod and on Instagram, The Unwritten Podcast. You should already be following those, but if you haven't, catch up and do better. But that's it for us, guys. Bye. Bye. Peace out, Girl Scout.